before the episode started, I just wanted to just say next week I will not be able to upload because I will be at summer camp. So next week there will not be an episode, but after that there will be an episode in the next two weeks. Thank you. Now let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Scouting God Podcast, the ultimate audio resource for scouts and adventure enthusiasts. I'm your host, Caleb, and in each episode, we dive into the captivating world of Merit Badger books. Get ready to embark on an exciting journey as we explore various topics and skills essential to the scouting experience. In today's episode, we are focusing on the life-saving Merit Badge. Discover the knowledge and skills that can make a difference in emergency situations and learn how to be prepared to save lives. So grab your headphones, sit back, and let's dive in into the life-saving adventure together. But before we begin, I want to remind you to follow the Scouting God podcast on your favorite podcast platforms, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. So stay updated with our latest episodes and never miss a single adventure. You can also connect with us on Facebook and Instagram for additional content and updates. Let us build a community of scouts passionate about learning and exploration. So without further ado, let's jump right into the world of the life-saving merit badge on the Scouting God podcast. The requirements for this merit badge are as followed. 1. Before doing requirements 2 through 15, a. Complete second class requirements 7a through 7c and first class rank requirements 9a through 9c. 7a says, tell what precautions must be taken for a safe swim. 7b says, demonstrate your ability to jump feet first into water over your head in depth, level off and swim 25 feet on the surface, stop, turn sharply, resume swimming, then return to your starting place. 7C says, demonstrate water rescue methods by reaching arm with your arm or leg, by reaching with a suitable object, and by throwing lines and objects. Explain why swimming rescue should not be attempted when a reaching or throwing rescue is possible, and explain why and how a rescue swimmer should avoid contact with the victim. First class ring requirements 9A through 9C. 9A says, tell what precautions must be taken for a safe trip afloat. 9B says, successfully complete the BSA swimmer test. 9C says, with a helper and a practice victim, show a line rescue both as tender and rescuer. The practice victim should be approximately 30 feet from shore in deep water. B. Swim continuously for 400 yards using each of the following strokes in a strong manner for at least 500 continuous yards. Front stroke. Front crawl, side stroke, breast stroke, and elementary backstroke. For these requirements, as a side note, you can also go back to one of my other episodes, and in that episode, I go over each rank requirement and what is needed for them. So this is a perfect opportunity to pause this episode, and then go back to that one, and then come back to this one, and listen to it. The next requirement is requirement 2. Requirement 2A says, Common drowning situations and how to prevent them. B. How to identify persons in the water who need assistance. C. The order of methods in water rescue. D. How rescue techniques vary depending on the setting and the condition of the person needing assistance. E. Situations for in which water rescue should not be undertaken. 3. Demonstrate reaching rescues using various items such as arms, legs, towels, shirts, paddles, and poles. 4. Demonstrate throwing rescues using various items such as lines, rings, buoys, rescue bags, and free-floating supports. Successfully place at least one aid within reach of a practice victim of 25 feet from shore. 5. Show or explaining the use of rowboats, canoes, or other small craft in performing rescues. 6. List various items that can be used as rescue aids in a non-contact swimming rescue. Explain why buoyant aids are preferred. 
7. Perform the following equipment-based rescues for a continuous practice subject, 30 feet from shore. Use a proper entry and a strong approach. Stroke. Speak to the subject to determine his condition and to provide instructions and encouragement. A. Present a rescue tube to the subject. Release it and escort them to safety. B. Present a rescue tube to the subject and use it to tow the victim to safety. C. Present a buoyant aid and other rescue tube to the subject. Release it and escort the victim to safety. D. Pre- present a buoyant aid other than a rescue tube to the subject and use it to tow the rescue victim to safety. E. Remove street clothes in 20 seconds or less and use a non-buoyant aid, such as a shirt or towel, to tow the subject to safety. Explain why it is appropriate to remove heavy clothing before attempting a swimming rescue. 8. Explain the importance of avoiding contact with an act of swimming and describe lead weight tactics. 9. Perform the following non-equipment rescues for a continuous practice subject 30 feet from shore. Begin the water from a position near the subject. Speak to the subject to determine his condition and to provide instructions and encouragement. A. Perform a swim-along assistance for a calm, respective, tired swimmer moving with a weak forward stroke. B. Perform an armpit tow for a calm, responsive, tired swimmer rescuing with a back float. C. Perform a cross-chest carry for an exhausted, passive victim who does not respond to instructions to aid himself. 10. In deep water, show how to escape from a victim's grasp on your wrist. Repeat in four front and rear four holds about the head and shoulders. 11. Perform the following rescues for an unconscious practice subject at or near the surface for 30 feet from shore. Use a proper entry in a strong approach stroke. Speak to the subject and splash water on him to determine his condition before making contact. Remove the victim from the water with assistance if needed and position for CPR. A. Perform an equipment assist using a buoyant aid. B. Perform a front approach and wrist tow. C. Perform a rear approach and armpit tow. 12. Describe how to respond if a victim submerges before being reached by a rescuer and do the following. A. Recover 10-pound weight in 8 to 10 feet of water using a feet-first surface dive. B. Repeat using a head-first surface dive. 13. Demonstrate knowledge of rescuation procedures. A. Describe how to recognize the need for rescue breathing and CPR. B. Determine proper CPR techniques for at least 3 minutes using a mannequin designed to simulate ventilations and compressions. 14. Demonstrate management of a spinal injury. A. Explain the signs and symptoms of a spinal injury. B. Support a face of victim in calm, shallow water. C. Turn a subject from a face down to face up position while maintaining support. 15. Show that you know first aid for other injuries or illnesses that could occur while swimming or boating, including hypothermia, heat reactions, muscle cramps, sunburn, stings, and hyperventilation. Now that we got all the requirements out of the way, let's jump right into the actual meaty part of it. To help other people at all times. No Boy Scout will ignore a plea for help. However, the success of your response will depend on your knowledge and skills. The Lifesaving Merit Badge is designed to help you safely and successfully assist those involved in water accidents. Lifesaving is a, su- is a successfully assistant those involved in water accidents. Lifesaving is a serious undertaking and must be treated accordingly. You may... Seldom need to use these skills, but if you do, your ability could make the difference between a person drowning and survival. 
preparation and practice. Skills are best learned from demonstration and practice. Be alert to all that is said. Your instructor will cover only necessary material. Read this pamphlet carefully and swim regularly until you can easily complete the required distance swim. Practice each skill slowly and deliberately before working on speed. Um, when proceeding a rescue, do not use the word help. Lifeguards and others may think this is a real danger. Also, arrange a signal with your buddy that means let go. I need to catch my breath. Be sure that the victim is realistic. He should not chase after you in the water or in any way be unlike a real person drowning. Rescuer safety. The rescuer's safety is an important and in any emergency. In most emergency situations, you can help minimize risks and perform a successful rescue. Some people drown in futile attempts to save others, but those would be rescuers are usually frantic friends and relatives whose swimming skills are a little better than those of the person in distress. They lack basic life saving and training and act inappropriately. After earning the life-saving merit badge, you should know when you can and cannot perform a safety rescue. If called upon, uphold your promise to help others at all times, but it but do it well. Do not risk injury to yourself when a rescue appears futile. Go for help instead. Topics to be covered. This pamphlet covers subjects in the following specific order to help you comprehend the material naturally. Review of basic swimming skills. You need to be a good swimmer before you begin to work on the life-saving merit badge. Common Causes of Water Accidents The discussion will give you a feel for situations when help may be needed and perhaps you can prevent such accidents from happening. Knowing the factors that lead into drowning will also help you understand the need for each item in the Safe Swim Defense and Safety Float Standards, the foundations for the safe BSA aquatic activities. How to recognize those in trouble, it is not always obvious when someone is drowning. How to plan a rescue. Once you recognize the need to act, you accept the responsibility only if you are the most qualified person present. If you are, you must decide whether to go for help or plan a safety rescue. The action you take will depend on several factors. How to classify the type of victim. Is he or she conscious or unconscious? What is the victim's level of distress? How to anticipate the distance from shore. Is the victim close enough for reaching a throwing rescue, or will you need to take a boat or flotation aid to the victim? How to identify what rescue aids are available? How to take notice of any special circumstances? Do cold water, swift currents, or injuries to the victim need to be considered? Depending on what the answers are to these questions, you will choose your rescue method and confidently act within your knowledge and your capability. Carefully studying this pamphlet and practicing with your counselor will help you gain the confidence and knowledge. Basic swimming skills. Water rescue don't always require swimming. Reaching or throwing it often works. However, the rescuer must sometimes swim afloat to an active victim or tow an unconscious person to safety. That requires strong swimming skills. Before beginning your life-saving training, you must first master the basic strokes. Front crawl, side stroke, breast stroke, and elementary backstroke. An excellent way to prepare for the life-saving merit badge is to first earn the swimming merit badge. You must be able to easily complete the required 400-yard swim. If you can't quite make the distance, get someone to review your strokes with you. At this stage, stamina is probably not as critical as good form. You know how to do the stroke properly. The distance shouldn't be a problem. The basic strokes are reviewed here. Life-saving procedures will require you to modify the strokes to carry equipment to avoid obstacles obstructions to keep an eye on the victim and, if needed, to tow the victim to safety. Front crawl. The front crawl combines a relaxed flutter kick with a rotary arm motion and rhythmic breathing. 
It is the fastest stroke but requires considerable energy. The stroke is most efficient if your hand remains supported by the water. Turn your head to the side to inhale, rotate down to exhale. Keep the lower arm bent and swept it across the chest rather than rotate in a vertical arc. The arm motion generates the most power. However, your kick should be strong enough to push you forward without having to use your arms. Your feet should not slap the surface of the water. But breaststroke. Coordination is key to the breaststroke. Your legs power you forward as your arms move as a glided position with your head down. Your arms power you while you pull your head up. Take a deep breath and prepare the legs for the next whip kick. Done slowly with a gentle glide, the breaststroke conserves energy and works well for long distances. Stroke. The side stroke uses a scissor kick in which the heels are first tucked behind the body. The top leg is then extended forward and the bottom leg back. Power is generated when the legs are snapped back to the training position. The lower arm pulls water past the chest while the upper arm pushes the chin towards the feet. The ear rests in the water and the face is high enough to keep the mouth and nose above water. The strokes uses a guide to conserve energy. A good swimmer can do the side stroke on both sides. Elementary Backstroke Begin the backstroke with arms at your sides and legs together. Start the whip kick by slowly lowering the heels beneath the knees. Rotate the ankles outward of the knees and return them to the starting position in a rapid, continuous circular whipping motion. The knees slightly separate and follow the feet out. Do not lead out with the knees. Bring the arms slowly up along the chest with elbows tucked in close to the sides and then extend them outward at shoulder level. The arms are used to push water towards the feet while the legs make a circular whipping action. Avoid raising the head or bending at the waist. This is a restful stroke, good for long distances. A long guide as an important part of the stroke. Using and modifying the strokes for life saving. When some modifications, the front crawl, breaststroke, side stroke, and elementary backstroke can be made more effective when using during a life saving situation. Front crawl. Use as an approach stroke and to tow rescue aids for lifesaving. The crawl is normally done with the head out of the water and a flotation device tucked under the arms or trailed behind. Swimming with the head up is the most difficult and it takes more energy but allows the rescuer to keep track of the victim while avoiding obstacles or other swimmers. Pace yourself to prevent exhaustion. If you must swim a long distance, you may choose to swim face down and look up every few strokes, although it is best to keep a close eye on the victim's location and condition. Breaststroke Use as an approach stroke and a tow or push rescue aids. This is more versatile approach stroke than the crawl. The head stays out of the water and rescue equipment may be trailed behind, tucked under the arms, or pushed forward with the one or both hands. If wind and water are calm, the summer can push a float such as an inner tube or an air mattress ahead of him and use his arms for stroking. The rescuer can also lie on a bodyboard, surfboard, or air mattresses while using an arm as a breaststroke fashion. The breaststroke may also be used to push one side of a flotation aid while the victim holds the other side. Side strokes and elements entry backstrokes. Generally used for towing assistance. If the victim needs help, both the side stroke and the backstroke will work for towing a continuous fist victim grabbing a float. If the float is large enough, then the victim and rescuer can hold opposite sides. Use a breaststroke to push the victim to shore. If you have used a non-buoyant aid or the victim is unconscious, tow using the side stroke or elementary backstroke. This is discussed later in more detail. For now, practice the side stroke with the lower head and heel at the side and practice the backstroke using just the kick. Rotary kick. 
At times, you may need to stand in one position without a float in which your head is up. That is, you will need to tread water. You may already know methods for treading water, such as scrolling with your hands and using a combination of kicks. Another option is to use a ro- rotary or egg beater kick. The rotary kick uses a sitting position with the knees apart. Rotate one leg and the other in a circular pattern similar to the whip kick used for the best stroke and the backstroke. However, each leg moves separately in the rotary kick. Try it first using a float or schooling with your hands. As you get the feel of it, use your legs. Kick only fast enough to keep your head above water. Surface dives. Some drowning victims must be retrieved from below the water surface. Keep the following in mind when diving below the surface. Don't try to swim down. Your body is lighter than the water and naturally floats upward. Instead, practice the surface dives described in this section until you can easily reach bottom in six to eight feet of water. Take only one or two deep breaths before diving. Breathing too deeply for too long can lead to hyperventilation, which may cause you to block black out underwater. Don't ignore pain in your ears. As you swim downward, you may notice a slight pain in your ears. This is caused by the increased pressure of the water against your eardrums. Swallowing, wiggling your ears, or gently blowing against a pinched nose may ease the discomfort. However, if the pain in your ears becomes intense, return to the surface. Otherwise, your eardrums could rupture and you can lose your sense of direction and possibly blackout. Feet first surface dive. Use a feet first surface dive whenever you can't clearly see what is beneath you. At the surface, begin in a ver- vertical position with your arms extended outward. Push down with your arms and use a scissor kick to lift yourself as far out of the water as possible. The weight of your body will then Drive you back downwards. Straighten your legs and push up against the water with your hands. Do not lift your arms too quickly. They should push up against the water rather than break the surface. Head first surface dive. Use a head first surface dive when the water is too is deep and clear. Begin by moving forward with a breaststroke. With your hands at your sides and your legs straight back, scoop downward with your arms and bend at the waist, lifting your legs into the air, then extend your arms in front of your head. The object is to point your entire body towards the bottom with your legs above the surface so that the weight of your legs will drive you downward. This dive is known as a pike. If you keep your legs straight the entire time, it is a tuck. If you bring your legs towards your body and straighten them into the air, keep your arms extended to protect your head as you dive. Drowning Risks and Prevention Millions of people safely enjoy water sports year-round, but accidents can and do happen. This section reviews the most common causes of drowning and ways to prevent them. The Center for Disease Control and Prevention, the U.S. Coast Guard, and the Natural Safety Council and various other government and public organizations monitor death and injuries from swimming and boating accidents. Drowning is second only to car accidents as leading cause of accidental death for scout-aged youth. Roughly three-fourths of all drowning victims are males. In pools where lifeguards are on on duty, relatively few drownings occur. Headfirst entry into shallow water or obstructed water can result in neck or spinal injury that lead to paralysis or death by injury or drowning. Many victims do not intend to enter the water drowning can result from falls, boating accidents, and cars going into the water. Boating accidents account for roughly one-fourth of all drownings. Personal flotation devices, also known as PDFs, are not worn in more than 80% of fatal boating accidents. Alcohol is estimated to be a factor in more than half of all swimming and boating fatalities. Cardiovascular disease is the number one cause of death in the United States. A heart attack or stroke victim in or on the water has a similar chance of survival. 
inadequate supervision. A toddler left alone near a pool is an example of inadequate supervision. Allowing others to take part in unsafe activities is another. Qualified supervision, which includes appropriate discipline, can be an important factor in preventing drowning. A potential lifesaver who notices an unsafe situation could try to prevent the need for a rescue. Poor swimming skills. Many people who drown are unable to swim even in a few feet to save themselves, which means that rescuers can often be made from shore or over short distances. Small children are often poor swimmers, and many victims that scouts rescue are young. Knowing how to swim is well, well as the best protection against drowning. Unsafe areas. Extra precautions are needed when poor swimmers are in the water or afloat. For example, a sudden underwater drop-off is unsafe for non-swimmers. Other unsafe situations for swimming include submerged obstacles, swift water, ocean rip currents, high waves, and cold water. Drowning accidents can be prevented by avoiding these areas and conditions. The rescuer needs to identify hazards that will jeopardize a rescue attempt and plan accordingly. Unsafe activities or poor judgment. The safety of an activity sometimes depends on the skills of the participants, but informed judgment is always key to avoiding danger. Overestimating swimming abilities, falling in, failing to wear a PDF, diving into shallow water, or diving a vehicle onto a flooded roadway are all examples of risky behavior resulting from poor judgment. Understanding dangers and following the safety rules will prevent many accidents. Again, the rescuer should evaluate the situation before taking action. Medical complications. Even strong swimmers can drown if they suffer a stroke, heart attack, or seizure in the water. The rescuer needs to make physical contact if the victim loses consciousness. Speed is critical. Many people known medical conditions should check with their physicians before participating in active water sports. Likewise, scout leaders should be made aware of medical or physical conditions that may affect a scout's safety in the water. Note that these items reflect points of the safe swim defense standards learned for second class rank. Qualified supervision and discipline guard against unsafe activities. A personal health review and safe area addresses medical complications and unsafe. Areas and obligatory groups classify everyone by swimming abilities and restricts them to water depths consisting with those abilities. The remaining points, lifeguard lookout buddy system, provides eyes and ears to alert for trouble. If trouble does arise, then it is quickly noted and someone is prepared to give safe and effective assistance. From your work on second class and first class advancements, you have already learned the basics and water rescue skills needed for a safe troop swim. The life-saving merit badge will add to your skills and knowledge of water rescue. These skills should allow you to handle a wide range of emergencies and aid you in protecting a troop or family swim. However, earning the life-saving merit badge does not qualify you for to be a lifeguard for swimmer camp or a public pool. After earning the life-saving merit badge, you may want to pursue a BC lifeguard training. Line Tender Rescue You should remember that the line tender rescue from your first class rank requirements. The simple rescue procedure may be done on unit outings at swim areas where professional lifeguards are absent as per item 4 of safe swim defense. One rescuer carries a rope or line to the victim and a second rescuer on shore pulls both the victim and the line carrier to safety. This is a type of reaching rescue because the line carrier never loses contact with the shore. The line tender rescue lets scouts swim swiftly on unit outings even if special equipment such as ring buoys cannot be reasonably packed and carried. The procedure is simple and the single piece of line fits easily into a backpack. 100 feet of 3 inch inch floating line 
line is preferred, but nylon line may be used. However, if other equipment or opportunity is at hand for an even simpler rescue, such as a pole reach or an arm extension, then do simpler and safer procedure. Performing a line-trended rescue. Begin by tying a bowline loop onto one end of the rescue line, then placing it over one shoulder and under the opposite arm in the line carrier. Make sure the loop is snug enough that it won't come off while the line carrier is swimming or being pulled in. Station the team so all deep water is used for swimming in both the beginner and swimmer areas is within easy reach, approximately 50 feet. When the swimmer needs help, the line carrier makes an approach appropriate entry and swims quickly to the victim. The line carrier may swim past the victim and bring the line to the victim's side so that they can both hang on and be pulled in. The life carrier may give the victim a flotation aid, such as a PDF. If one is not available, or the victim cannot grasp the float or the line, then the line carrier should grab the victim. Try to keep an unconscious victim's head above water while being pulled in. Techniques for grasping the victim and to support unconscious victims are discussed later. The line tender must avoid tangles while feeding the line in. Keep the line ready and neat, loose coil or in a throw bag. When pulling the line back in, the line tender works hand over hand, grasping the rope with the thumbs towards himself to bend the rope and prevent it slipping through the grasp. The line tender must be as well braced and strong to heavy enough to pull the partner in the victim. To avoid being pulled into the water, the line tender should keep his body low and lean back while pulling on the rope. A strong rapid pull while playing the line carrier and victim to the surface. That is, it will make them skim across the surface of the water. Practice this procedure both Team's numbers are capable and confident in their roles. All troop members should understand the procedures and know to clear the way when the team is responding. This need for practice and understanding is one of the important reasons the line tender rescue is a first class requirement. BSCC Swimmer Defense all swimming activity and scouting is conducted according to the following BSA Safe Swim Defense Standards. This material discussed above should help you understand why each item is important. As a lifesaver, you should consider accident prevention as an important rescue skills. That understanding is needed for Requirement 2A. For a full description of the standards, see the Swimming Merit Badge pamphlet. 1. Qualified Supervision All swimming activities should be supervised by a mature and conscious adult age 21 or older who understands and knowingly accepts responsibility for all the well-being and safety of those in his or her care, and who is trained and committed to the complements with the eight points of the BSA Swim Defense. 2. Personal Health Review A complete history is required for all participants as evidence of fitness for swimming activities. Supervision and protection should be adjusted to anticipate any potential risks associated with individual health concerns. 3. Safe Area All swimming areas must be carefully inspected and prepared for safety prior to each activity. Water depth, quality, temperature, movement, and clarity are all important considerations. Hazards must be eliminated or isolated by conspicuous markings and discussed with participants. 4. Response Personnel Lifeguards Every swimming activity must be closely and continuously monitored by a trained rescue team on alert for the ready to respond during emergencies. The line tender rescue learn you learn for first class, which is reviewed in this chapter, is one procedure that response personnel can use to safeguard unit swims. You will learn additional techniques for the life-saving merit batch. Look out. 
The lookout continuously monitors the conducted of swim, identifies any departures from safe swim defense guidelines, alerts rescue personnel as needed, and monitors the weather and environment. Ability Groups All youth and adult participants are designated as swimmers, beginning or non-swimmers based on swimming ability confirmed by the standards, BSC Swim Classification Test. Each group is assigned a specific swimming area with depths consistent with those abilities. 7. Buddy System Every participant is prepared with one another. Buddies stay together, monitor each other, and alert the safety team if either needs assistance or is missing. The supervisor knows the number of buddies in the water and conducts buddy checks to make sure the buddies are watching each other. 8. Discipline the Scouts know and respect the rules of safe swim defense and always follow descriptions from their lifeguards and adult supervisor. The supervisor reviews rules just before the activity begins. Recognizing a victim. The first step in a rescue is recognizing that someone needs help. Often it's obvious. A capsized canoeist may be frantically swimming for shore while being swept with rapids. People clinging to the top of a car swept off of a low water crossing may be shouting for help. Bystanders may be calling to someone floating face down. But not all drowning situations are the same, dramatic or easy to spot. A child who appears to be playing may actually be in serious trouble. It is important to note that not everyone in trouble will call for help or seem to be struggling. People in danger of drowning can be divided into categories based on their conditions. In turn, those conditions influence the basic rescue techniques. Categories include distress versus drowning, conscious versus unconscious, active versus passive. These labels are less important than identifying specific behaviors and their effectiveness on rescue techniques. Several categories are discussed below, and you should learn the major differences. Note that these are guidelines. An actual victim may not exactly fit the guidelines. An actual victim may not exactly fit the descriptions and may side from one type into another during the course of a rescue. Tired Swimmer A tired swimmer may ask for help. The swimmer might be clinging to a boundary line, trying to float on his back, or making little progress using short bursts or a weak stroke. He lacks or thinks he lacks the energy to make it to shore and simply needs encouragement and a helping hand. The tired swimmer is calm and will respond to questions and should cooperate with the assist. And that concludes today's episode and part one of our exploration into the life-saving merit badge on the Scouting God podcast. We hope you found this episode enlightening and informative as we delve into the fundamentals of life-saving techniques. Make sure to stay tuned for next week's episode, where we'll continue our journey into the life-saving merit badge book with part two. We'll be diving even deeper into advanced life-saving techniques and scenarios. So keep an ear out for the upcoming episode and don't miss out on expanding your life-saving skills. Don't forget to subscribe Subscribe to the Scouting God podcast on your favorite podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts or Spotify or any of the podcasts of your choice. By subscribing, you will be notified when new episodes are released, ensuring that you never miss a moment of our scouting adventures. Also, remember to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for additional content, updates, and connect with fellow scouts who share our passion for adventure and learning. Thank you for joining us today on the Scouting God podcast. We look forward to having your back for part two of the Life-Saving Merit Badge. Until then, keep, in, keep exploring, stay prepared, and continue unlocking your potential through this incredible badge of scouting. This has been Caleb on the Scouting God podcast, signing off for now. Happy scouting, and we'll see you next week.